Hey, good morning. It's Thursday morning. I hope you're doing well today and had a had a great uh, night last night and a great uh, week thus far. It's a exciting Thursday. Looking forward to the weekend. I look forward to worship at church. Um, look forward to being with you this morning as we study God's Word together. So it's uh, always good to be together to reflect upon uh, what God wants to tell us this morning through His Word. Um, today is a um, uh, um, um, a special day in the life of the church. It's, it's, the, it's the day of the Annunciation. It's the day um, where uh, traditionally Mary is told by um, the angel that she will have uh, be born. Uh, she will be the mother of Christ. Uh, to her, we born a son. And uh, I always love her response in Luke when uh, the angel tells her all this, and she says, "How can it be?" And uh, the angel tells her, and she says, "Let it me let it be unto me according to that word." I just think that's one of the most beautiful expressions of faith in all scripture. So I just love, I love Mary as an example of faith, and I love Mary as an example of what our faithfulness should look like. Uh, I think of a, a line by Rich Mullins I've shared with you before when I've talked about Mary. Um, Mary, uh, we we Protestants uh, sometimes will say that our Catholic friends focus too much upon Mary. Um, you know, and Rich said it's not that they focus on Mary too much, it's perhaps we focus on each other too little. Um, we miss the holiness in each other and how uh, we can um, each each experience God and, trans- and, and be a vessel through which God uses to redeem the world. And uh, I've always liked that concept that Mary for us is a great example of the way that God wants to give life to the world through Christ within us. And so uh, there's a lot to a lot to think about on that. Um, just a, it's a powerful concept. So I wanted to share with you what today is. But today, today's scripture reading is going to kind of kind of reference that. We're going to be looking at the Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, where the writer of Hebrews says this. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are, about which we are speaking to angels. But someone has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, su- subjecting all things under their feet. Now, in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while has been made lower than angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that, the grace of God might, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It is fitting for whom, for whom and through whom all things exist, and bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I thought that was a very interesting and fitting passage to talk about um, the sufferings of Jesus, uh, particularly as we approach Holy Week. You know, starting starting Sunday, Sunday's Palm Sunday. Um, next week will be Holy Week. And what we'll do next week in our reflections is I, as I'll kind of focus each day on what Christ would have experienced or what would have gone on in his life or in his, um, within, within uh, each day of Holy Week next week. So, um, so I, I don't want to, um, spoil too much or get too far ahead of ourselves by talking about that. But, uh, we see, um, that Christ, that Christ is our example and that he take in his tasting of death, he tasted death for all of us. And through Christ's death, and then resurrection, the power of death was destroyed for all of us who believe. And his dying in many, his dying on the cross broke the power of death in the world. And so that as Christians, we no longer have to be afraid of death. We no longer have to fear death. Death no longer has to be the um, has to be the source of fear in our life. But we we are not bound by it. As I as I tell folks when I when I have funerals, I usually say something to, to the effect of um, when someone dies, we don't grieve for them because if they're a Christian, they're with the Lord. 
we grieve for ourselves because our lives are diminished. Christ has defeated and destroyed the power of death. So our grief is not for the one who's passed away. Our grief is for ourselves because we are sad and we are diminished and we miss them and we hurt. And our grief is more reflected upon us, honestly, than it is upon them. Because on the cross, Christ destroyed the power of death. Death no longer has sway or power over us as Christians. It doesn't. We've, we've talked, I talked last time in my Bible study about fasting. This world's not our home. This world's not our home. When our time here is done, and I hope my time here is not done for a long time, because I, I love living. I love living me some life. But when my time is done, and I breathe my last, and I wake up in, across, across the banks of the Jordan River, metaphorically, and I'm in my Father's kingdom, then I'm where I'm made for. So Christ, Christ destroyed the power of death through the cross. And he suffered as we suffered. And he overcame those sufferings. And in many ways, those sufferings have now become redemptive for us. Because um, suffering is a way by which, and listen, nobody wants to suffer. We, we sometimes can, um, when we say things, suffering can be redemptive. We're like, hey, we don't want to ever give the appearance that suffering is fun or good or what we want to do. Suffering's awful. And I hope you never have to suffer. Goodness, I hope your life is full of marshmallows and unicorns. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, but odds are, if you're living here up on the earth, you're going to suffer. You're going to face pain. You're going to face death. You're going to face rejection. You're going to face hurt. You're going to face all manner of illness. You're going to face these things. It's it's part of the human existence living upon the world. And what we see in Christ is that through the incarnation, through Christ being born to Mary, through Christ living upon the earth, he suffered as we suffer. He suffered rejection from his friends, all his friends who talked a big game about being with him at the last minutes. When the um, when the, he went up on the cross, they abandoned him. They ran like dogs. John was the only one left. So he suffered rejection. He suffered. He suffered not just abandonment from friends. He suffered rejection from Judas and this Peter even denied him. He suffered the pains of life, as he told told his followers: "Birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the foxes have dens, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head." He. He did not live a life of luxury and of ease and of comfort. He saw his best friend, John the Baptist, murdered. Whatever pain, he saw his hometown reject him. He saw the religious leaders reject him. Whatever suffering or pain or hurt that we go through in our life, we know that our Savior has suffered in the same way. And these sufferings, can draw us closer to him. These sufferings can help us identify with him. Because in our sufferings, we can identify with what Christ went through. That's that's what it is. It, it isn't just that they that our sufferings draw us closer, but through our sufferings, we can identify what it what he went through, and we can feel the depth of his love for us. Because when we think about what we go through, we we don't we don't we go through suffering in life because that's that's life. He didn't have to go through this. He didn't have to suffer. He left his father's throne. 
He was, the, he was at the right hand of the Father. He gave up his privilege and his position to come to earth to win our freedom. So his suffering was an expression of his deep love for us. And so when we suffer, one of the ways that our suffering can be redemptive in our life is when we suffer. That suffering can remind us of what Christ went through. And we're, when we're reminded of what Christ went through, we're reminded of his great love for us because of the suffering that he endured. Our suffering can be a tie that binds us to the deep love of God. Doesn't mean it's fun. Doesn't mean we want to do it. Doesn't mean that I'm not a tremendous baby. I never want to suffer ever because I'm a tremendous baby. But his suffering can show us the depth of God's, our suffering can show us in many ways the depth of God's love for us. So, today, if you're suffering, if you're hurting, if you're alone, if you feel you're going through some illness, I've got friends I'm paying for, praying for right now, I'm going through some bad deals. I've got several friends that are going through some, some real bad deals. Church folk going through some bad deals. But I'm praying for today. I pray today that the, their suffering eases, that they can, they can experience the freedom, and the relief that comes when our burden is lifted. But I pray that for me, and for you, and for all of us, that our suffering, when we experience it, can bind us to the deep heart of God for us. We can remember just how much God loves us. On this day. We remember that our Lord suffered for our sake, and that his suffering was an emblem of his love for us. So you're loved. You're loved today. You're loved. An amazing, awesome, powerful God. Love you guys today. Praying for you. Um, join us Sunday in worship at St. Matthew's if you can. Um, hope to see you there. Um, or whatever your local church is, worship with them. If you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you to worship with us at 8.30 or 11 this Sunday, or at 9 o'clock for drive-in church uh, this Sunday. Hey, uh, praying for you. Love you. Have a great day. See you uh, tomorrow morning.